Hi, my name is Joshua David Stein. I'm the host of the Fatherly Podcast here with my co-host, Jason Gay. Hey. We're two dads with questions. Questions about what legal cannabis means for our kids. Mm-hmm. Who designs awesome playgrounds? Yeah. Why our kids don't think we're funny? True. We talked to a daredevil about managing risk. Yeah. And a gardener from Brooklyn who went to fight ISIS. Yeah. And Jamie Oliver about failure. I learned a lot. Me too. So listen, and you might learn a lot too. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. It's Ilaria and Daphne. And today we get to do some mom mail. Mom mail, so exciting. So we love when you guys write to us. And today we get to read them and respond. Um, So keep the emails coming so we can do more and more and more of these episodes. This is a fact. Okay, so emails. Ladies, after years of wanting cleavage, I finally have some due to breastfeeding. But what is with... I know, right? So exciting. (laughs) I was really excited for it, too. What is with these ugly granny nursing bras? Any recommendations for some sexy yet comfortable nursing bras? Help, Tanya. Okay, Tanya. I went from, like, being... I mean, I'm a very small person to all of a sudden having, like, gigantic boobs, like gigantic like I stopped at a uh, triple D buying bras um, and but then those were too small Um, and so um, because I just decided that I didn't want to um, buy anything any larger because it would make me cry (laughs) Um, so I what I would do at the beginning with Carmen I had nursing bras because I did everything the way that I googled it um, and then with then I realized that after a while, yes, you are right. They're ugly. And I didn't find them to be like super supportive. And to be quite honest, like is do you really need like a special flap? I would just wear like low cut shirts and then pull like pull the bra out to the side and then like pull my boob out. Um, and I kind of just wanted to like live my life with m- the boys. I actually wore um, bikini triangle, like the bikini triangle thing for a while while they were like just gigantic. Um, and um, and then little by little, I just went to normal bras. Um, Daphne, what do, you, what do you do? So that's that's really interesting, actually, because I similarly with Philomena, I did what Google told me to do. And I Googled you know, best nursing bra and what they sent me. But what Amazon sent me, which I ordered <laughs> unknowingly, <laughs> was like the the human equivalent of a, like an utter sack. It was so hideous. <laughs> it was it was so it was the most horrible fabric because they claimed it was like stain resistant and and you know weatherproof. <laughs> it was like it was so gross. Um, and you know you are you don't need any more help feeling like a um, like a milk machine and. Um, certainly in those first few weeks, not feeling particularly sexy. So after many, many go rounds and attempts at finding the right one, I settled on this brand. Um, and I, I we're going to link it in the, and we actually, just so you guys know, we do this for every, um, every episode. If you go to the description of the episode at the bottom of it, we actually link our favorite things. So you guys don't have to go and search and search and search for them, but, and we'll link our broad selections this time. So you have them, but, um, I love this brand called Bella Bum Bum. And, uh, there's a very specific model that I love 
love. And they have all different kinds. Like if you want just a really simple cotton triangle, they have that. They have really, you know, basic kind of sports bra cuts. But I love this one which is the Serena wireless lace trimmed and nursing bra. And the reason I like it is it has kind of a pretty lacy bottom part, which is nice, but it doesn't get in the baby's face. It's not like scratching them. If you're, you know, if you pull the part, if you pull the top part down, it has the little clips. So you can just quickly, you know, release, release the dragon, release one at a time. But it also, um, it, it's not the most supportive bra I've ever worn, but I found that if I really constricted my boobs in, I produce less milk. Maybe it's psychosomatic. Maybe I'm like, it's all in my head, but I, I tried not to wear super constrictive bras while I was nursing. And this was the right balance of support and softness, really easy to wash. I bought like four or five of them and just washed them every other day, pretty much because you do, you just, I don't, I don't, the one thing I don't do is wear those nursing pads anymore. It just was like, it, they're so annoying. They look like, I mean, they look so horrible. <laughs> I just would rather wash my bra every day than have to deal with that. So, um, so yeah, so that's the one that I love. But then Hilaria, the thing that I find so amazing about you when you're nursing and you nurse for such a long time and you continue to do this, um, is, is you work out quite a bit when you're nursing and you've developed this sports bra technique that I find amazing because my boobs hurt so badly when I would go running or whatever. And I was, I just basically gave up on any extreme workouts, um, while I was nursing. So talk us through your technique. So the, one of the things that I fear most in life is mastitis. And I didn't experience that really like a little bit with the first three, but not really. And then it came like crazy with Romeo and again and again and again at the beginning. And then some part of me, if it was my first, I'd be like, OK, it is because I'm not wearing nursing bras. But I also wasn't I mean, there wasn't that much difference of the bras that I chose to wear at the beginning and a nursing bra, just that they didn't have like the special little flap, you know. Um, and so going back to working out, I know that I need to like strap my boobs in when I work out. So I wear at the beginning, I wear like three or sometimes four bras. So I'll wear my regular bra underneath that feels like super supportive. And then I will put on a couple of um, sports bras on top of that so that they just are like really, really solid because they're, I mean, when you're working out and you're, you know, jogging and your boobs are going like up and down and that is like perfect way to get mastitis. Um, And that's just a horrible thing of like the chills. And then I actually had to take antibiotics this time around and antibiotics weren't helping and it just, it just took time. Um, the one thing I also suggest with all of these things, you know, Daphne, you were talking about the nursing pads, um, which like I will use a bit at the beginning, but I'll also just change my bra quite often um, is I will um, I pump a lot. And I know that we've talked about yeah, that before, yeah. but I hate that feeling when you just wasted have that like, spontaneous yeah, first of all, wa- wasted milk. <laughs> But the spontaneous letdown is so stinging and uncomfortable. And then I think that's also a way to get mastitis because you're not like you're it kind of starts letting down and then you kind of get stuck. Um, and so I um, I will pump very, very, very frequently when I first have the baby to try to avoid the letdown. And then this time around, I actually had very few of the spontaneous letdowns because I was kind of catching it right before it oh, happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was nice. And so I used very few of those of those bras, uh, of, sorry, of the pads. But that Lansano brand is my favorite brand of the little pads that you put inside. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it, look, every I've noticed Every single time I've had a baby, the breastfeeding 
experience is is different. Um, I um, and this time was definitely the hardest time. I think part of it was I had pneumonia when I had, I delivered the baby, and so my body was just so run down um, and just was all out of sorts. Um, but basically, I mean, I think Daphne, I think you're to answer the question. I think that that I saw a picture of that bra. It looks really pretty. Um, but then also, I think one of the things that I've found from having so many kids, and I feel like you've you've said the same thing to me, is don't you don't have to fall for all the gimmicks all the time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, like there's so much stuff. One of my friends is about to deliver her first baby. And she, of course, she's like nesting. And I become like a crazy nester. Like the last like, couple of months, I'm like at two o'clock in the morning obsessing about, I don't I don't know, like the color of a pajama. And the kids like can't even see colors at the beginning. And, um, and you know, I, I feel like whatever feels good for you and gets the job done. Um, but but again, you don't have to like go through the, you know, the, that lists that you find on Google of like the 20 most important things that you can have because a lot of that is different you know websites working with brands and trying to and trying to promote them simply so you will buy them um, and honestly, so if you have I a felt, bra that you love use it yeah go sorry no no I just I just sorry to, to tack on to that I felt overwhelmed by those lists the ones that were just like put out by different websites and absolutely to your point, a lot of what they recommended was either sponsored or integrated somehow or, or look, some people just, some people feel more comfortable having more stuff. I felt really overwhelmed having so much crap. I didn't know what to do with. And frankly, that some of which felt redundant, some of it, my baby didn't like some of which I felt, honestly, I would think all the time, especially with my first, I would, I would constantly find myself revisiting how I thought my grandmother raised her kids or my mother raised her kids and our ancestors raised their kids. And I was like, they didn't have all this random stuff, you know? Um, and it's, and I, and I think sometimes it got in the way for me rather than helped. And I, I will say this over the years, I've sort of put together my newborn essentials list and my toddler essentials list that I send to my girlfriends when they're getting ready to have kids or progressing to a next stage of childhood. And I'm quite positive you have the same. Um, cause People do. They just, they're like, you have a bajillion children. Tell me everything. Um, I feel like for our hundredth episode or something, we should put out our newborn essentials list for our mom bring ladies. Yes. Um, so, you, you know, one thing I don't know if, did I talk about the wipe warmer? Yes. I resisted, resisted, resisted. <laughs> and now I think that the white warmer is like one of the best things that ever, that ever was. And I totally, totally made fun of people who had white warmers before. And I apologize, even though you never heard me do that because I did in the privacy of my own home. But I was like, oh, those people that need white warmers. And now I'm like, I would like a white warmer from my own bathroom. <laughs> I don't have one, by the way, but just wait. I mean, just why wait. not? Why are you depriving yourself of that pure luxury? <laughs> I know. I think it's because I have terrible fear of clogged toilets. No, no. Well, you could be the very... Oh, wait, we're going to go really TMI right now. You could be very European... <laughs> As, as you put are, in the trash and put it in the trash. <laughs> yes. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <okay>. Thanks, Tanya. <laughs> Let's do another one. We're all moms here. <laughs> We're all moms here. Um, do you want to read the next one? Thank you, Tanya. I hope that helped you. I'm sorry we got yeah. sidetracked a little bit, but you got a lot of information. <laughs> as we do. <laughs> all right. This email's from Stephanie. Hello, I listen to all the Mom Brain podcasts, can't get enough. I remember listening to the latest episode with Dr. Akhavan and the topic of postpartum hair loss came up briefly. I believe he was going to mention treatments, but then the conversation went elsewhere. 
big shock. <laughs> Would anyone be able to help me get the answer to treatments as I deal with this issue as many new moms do? Thank you very, very much, Stephanie. Um, definitely. I do remember we actually had asked about this and I, I'm bummed now that we didn't get him to answer, but uh, Hilary, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know what his answer would have been. So, um, we definitely do you get, you don't get heart postpartum hair loss, right? You know, honestly, I can't tell. I have so much hair and I feel I like it too. blossoms when I'm pregnant and I can't really tell. I also shed all the time. So all the time, you know, it's but like living e- but with even a pony. when you're pregnant, do you shed? Yeah. I, not as much, but, but yeah, I mean, I just, Yes, and it's merciful because it's just so much hair. I'm like cousin it. I'm just grateful to to you know have it be. No, there is an element of that, and I actually don't mind. So I get like, I lose. I like Daphne have a ton of hair, and then when I'm pregnant, it becomes extraordinarily overwhelming. Um, And then when the baby is three months old, my hair starts to fall out, and it is like crime scene it's like a bad horror like hair everywhere and my hair is dark so it's like you really see it um like the baby's grabbing onto it and just like handfuls of hair come up i never get the very um thin scalp again because i have so much hair but what i'm experiencing right now is i have all the tiny hairs that are like sticking up everywhere and that's what drives me crazy so the the hardest thing for me yes it kind of grosses me out just because i have like a weird thing about like detached hair from head always have it kind of like makes me throw up (laughs) nothing does i'm okay with vomit poop everything but detached hair like i could never be a hairdresser because i just would be so bad Um, it's my weird thing now you guys all know um but um the the hair sprouting back in is really 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 stressful so what I tried this time around a little bit is I tried um, Nutrafol. I took, um, which is like vitamins um, that helps your hair grow in faster. Again, for me, I, I didn't, I actually really didn't take them very well. Um, but apparently they work. And then I gave them to some of my friends who really, really liked them. Um, and, and again, for me, it's not a stress of it coming back in. It's just, it's going to look, I'm going to look like a fuzzy cactus for a while right at my roots. Um, and that, but what he does, he also does something that I haven't tried for people who, who have trouble having go back in where something with like needles that they put into your head and, and stimulate, maybe they take your blood and do that. And like that stimulates hair growth. Um, so I would say, I would say this, I believe 99% of the time your hair grows back in every other year. I have had this horrible hair regrowth, um, because I've been having babies that, that much. Um, and I know it's really hard, but it does grow back in and it's going to be okay. And there are things that you can do, but I think, you know, eating well and you can try little supplements and stuff like that. But I think mostly just be patient. Well, I, um, and I know how hard that is. It is hard. It, I mean, especially cause those look, we're our own, we're our own toughest critics. And I think little things like that can really stick out for us. Um, but I will say just as a general rule of thumb on hair care, you know, generically speaking and making sure that your scalp is healthy. Um, I do think it's worth investing in maybe once or twice a week, a 20 minute hair mask, or you can do it. You can do it even, um, especially on weeks where I'm getting my hair done quite a lot. And I feel like my, my scalp is just getting covered with, um, with the hairspray and other kinds of sort of treatment things that, that people put in your hair. I will wash my hair twice and then put the conditioner in and then I'll sleep in a, um, a coconut oil hair. I literally just take regular coconut oil and I massage it into my scalp. Really take the time, give yourself a good scalp massage because that will help to stimulate follicle health and, and hair growth as well. And then I just wrap my hair in a, um, like a shower cap and go to sleep. 
And you can put a towel over it if you want, because the heat sometimes helps it seep into the hair. And that really, I noticed that that really helps coconut oil is amazing. It's, it's antibacterial, it's antimicrobial. Um, but it is, it's also highly nourishing. So I love that. And I, and people do olive oil sometimes instead. Um, there's all kinds of like natural food based hair masks if you do a Google search. Um, but I also, I do two things that I found really helpful for my own personal hair. Um, I don't wash my hair more than two or three times a week, um, unless it's just like, you know, tons and tons of product or something I need to get out of it. Um, usually twice a week because I feel like that really allows, look, the first couple of weeks you do that, especially if you're used to washing your hair every day or every other day and everyone's hair is different, but this has been what I've been trying to do. Um, the first couple of weeks, it takes a while for your hair's sebum to balance itself. Um, and you want to brush regularly and make sure that you distribute that well your hair. And then honestly, by like week two or three, your hair is completely balanced and it's so much happier not to have itself stripped over and over and over again. Um, and if you feel the need to wash your hair every day, I would try some of those no poo shampoos. Like I, I, I like this new wash, uh, one that I've used before from a company called hair story. Uh, there's a bunch of natural ones too, that are basically conditioner that you use in place of shampoo. Um, so anyway, I just, I would, I would recommend not stripping your hair as much as possible. And then biotin supplements. I mean, I've been taking prenatals for so long because I take them throughout my pregnancy before I'm pregnant, throughout my pregnancy. And then while I'm nursing. So I feel like that has really helped with my hair overall. But if you're not necessarily interested in taking prenatal vitamins, um, just a biotin supplement has been, uh, and a biotin supplement. And then also, also, pearl powder. I know this sounds totally wacky, but um, I get mine from a company called Moon Juice and I just throw like half a teaspoon into my morning smoothie. And because of all the minerals that are naturally found in these ground up pearls, I don't, I can't, I don't know why, but I feel like my hair just sprouts. So those are my, really, those I've are never my heard of secrets. that before. I mean, I know Moon Juice, but I didn't know about her pearl powder. Yeah. You know, unless so you feel like a mermaid fancy. in the morning, it's great. I know. That's so fancy <laughs> under the sea. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Hair, I feel like hair and skin is, are two things that people really, notice most when they look at us um and um and we we want them to be nice in order to to feel you know put our best foot forward feel, to feel, put our best foot forward um yeah i do the same thing i don't i don't wash my hair i wash my hair probably about three times a week and i love sometimes like even with my kids when i i wash their hair obviously more often or at least wet it i will sometimes just use conditioner yeah. in their hair yeah um so all right. Well, good luck with that hair growing back in. I think I think it's I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, that that's a lot with a lot of this stuff, especially with having babies. It's just a matter of time. And we can kind of busy ourselves doing all these different kind of things. So we feel like we're being proactive. But um, doing it so many times over, I realize it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> this is from Rachel. Daphne and Ilaria, I love, love, love your podcast. Thank you for covering so many diverse topics that all of us moms are sometimes afraid to ask about. Yes, we do kind of get into the into the down and dirty stuff. Question for you two. I have a three-year-old daughter and a 19-month-old son. We are debating whether to try for a third. My husband and I constantly flip-flop at any given moment and could argue either side. Well, I love the idea of a big family, and I believe the more the merrier is true. My hesitation is that I've already had two C-sections, and I worry how hard a third would be on my body. Our kids are also starting to play so great together, and we worry about the stress of resetting the clock, so to speak. How did you make the decision for a third baby, or in Ilaria's case, the fourth as well? <laughs> um, you know what? No matter what you choose, it's going to be the right decision. 
and it ends up being your story. You know, I um, I didn't I didn't make the choice for a third baby. I actually didn't plan babies one, two, or three. The only one I planned was baby number four, um, and. I got pregnant with Leo when Rafa was six months old. And I, I mean, I love Leo, you know, as he is my baby. And I did have that moment where I sat on the floor and I cried. Um, I knew I was pregnant right away. And I kept on going to the doctor and I kept on saying, I'm pregnant. They did a blood test. Negative. Everybody's like, you're crazy. Your hormones. Your baby's six months old. I was like, exactly. This isn't like some phantom pregnancy of like, I really, really want to be pregnant right now. It's just, this is the fact. And then um, my friend called me and said um, that she was pregnant. And I put Rafa in the front pack and I went to CVS and I bought a pregnancy test and there was actually like paparazzi there. So I had this documented as I'm walking back home and like trying to be very like cool about carrying a pregnancy test um, in this little CVS see-through bag. And I am, um, and then I went upstairs with Rafa in the front pack and peed on a stick and it immediately showed up positive. And then I came out and I, um, I cried and I, sat on the floor with my six month old and I looked at him and I felt so guilty. Um, and then that was about like five minutes. And then I got really excited um, because I love babies. And I look at my I looked at him and I said, you know, could one more of these things be a bad thing? And, and it's not. And, it, and I mean, Leo, we always say that. Where can you imagine life without Leo? He's so magical. Um, I would say and I think, Daphne, you, you've told me you feel the same way that one to two is really hard. One to two is really, really hard because you have that that love affair will you have with your first baby and then you have another one and in one way you feel like you are making that you know you're you're letting the first one down because you can't give that one all your attention and then you have this new baby and you want to have the same experience you had with the first baby with that baby and you won't because now you have to divide your attention to two so then you feel like just guilty all the time because you have two babies I think two to three is not so hard. And three to four was like literally nothing happened. It is pure, pure, pure chaos. And that's why I feel comfortable, you know, even th- even contemplating baby number five, because I've already crossed that line of just it is going to be chaos and there is going to be meltdowns. And, and I just have to deal with it a certain way. We have these sort of group activities. That being said, going to your body. And that was something I haven't had a C-section, but, you know, because I am so active and I my happy place is going for a run and going to yoga class and going to bar class and just going and and, and that is my me time. And when I can't do it that way, I it is emotionally a little bit hard on me. I have the perspective that I know it's just a little bit in time, but I have every single time I'm pregnant, it's kind of like, you know, playing this game of like, did I go too far? Did I go too far? <laughs> okay, so it went back with one, then it went back with two, and went back with three. Is it going to go back with four? Um, and it took me, this last one took me a little bit longer to recover because the baby was bigger and I had extra water and stuff like that. But, um, but I did recover. And so I think that you have to look at it this way. Eventually, we all get old. Eventually, our bodies are going to get older and, you know, all of that stuff is going to happen. Do you think that you're going to say, why didn't I have another one? Because I was so worried about how my body was going to look. And that's why I've decided to have more. Yeah. I I mean, I actually think we haven't heard a lot on, on the show from the perspective of a of a repeat cesarean section. I think that'd be actually yeah. very interesting to hear 
you know, how the recovery process is different and what feels different um, after having maybe because neither of us have had one. And I think I, I've heard from girlfriends of mine who have and, and some of whom have had two and three of them that, um, you know, it's it's different because you can't necessarily lift your baby right at the outset because it's obviously a surgical right. repair that you're healing from. And um, and so I, mean, I actually think thank you for this question, um, Rachel, because I really think we should. Um, we should dive a little deeper on this. Maybe, from, maybe we'll get one of our OBGYNs to come in or something to give us a little bit more of that perspective on, on, you know, the safe and sort of, of, of best way to heal from that. And, and also what the medical recommendation is on repeat C-sections, but two things. One is, um, if what you're worried about is how your body will heal, but also like the stress on your body. I mean, look, anytime you have surgery, you, you, you run the risk of there being complications. You, you run the risk of there being complications when something comes out of your hoo-ha too, but it's like, it's a little, right. it's a little it's something. <laughs> hey, I don't even know what to say. It's, it, it's, it could be interesting both ways, but it's also, um, uh, I have a lot of friends who have VBACs. So that's, you know, vaginal birth after C-section, um, which could be something interesting for you to explore if you want to do the third. And if you're nervous about having a third surgery, if you have to have a C-section again, for whatever reason, um, obviously lots of people have had three and four and five of them. Um, so I, I would feel confident that if your doctor has taken great care of you after the first two, they would be able to give you a happy and healthy third baby. If that's something you and your husband are committed to. What I'm resonating most with in this question is, um, is the thought about your first two finally starting to play really well together and being nervous about resetting that clock. Um, and I will say, since I'm, I have my three, my oldest two who are 20 months apart are like two peas in a pod They're They have these, these, these sort of unspoken language and games and, um, and just a way of being together. That's almost like twins. They are so close. And I do feel sad sometimes that my baby Nika, who it just turned 14 months is, it's kind of left out of that troop, but to hilarious point earlier, everything takes time. Like every one of these kids is supposed to be in your family, you know, and, and by the way, that could be two, two as plenty of children right. to have that be your complete family. And if you decide to go for the third, he or she is meant to be there too. And I really feel confident that not only will your older two make room for him or her, but that they'll have a new dynamic because of, because of that new baby. Now it definitely sets you and your husband back a little bit. You're back to the newborn phase, which I find to be the most challenging and you know, you're probably finally in this point where your babies are sleeping in their own beds and they're like, you know, it's just, you get, you get to this point before they hit three, I found where you're like, oh yeah, this is good. And then they hit three and it's like, oh my God, what, what is going on? Um, but I just, I would, for me, the reason I decided to have a third and, 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 you know, think about future babies too is, um, is I, I, I want to see more iterations. Like I want to see all the different versions of our, of our mm-hmm. kids that could turn up because to your point, Laura, you know, Leo is, you could never have predicted Leo. You could never, and Leo is so <laughs> unlike Rafa and unlike Carmen and unlike Romeo, they, they're just, they, they all are so their own individual little creatures. So if you decide to have they're a third, necessary. They are necessary. They, they are, are necessary. very necessary. And you know, what's fun as well. Like, I mean, you, um, Rachel, you have a uh, a boy and a girl, and it, that's what's amazing. And Daphne and I also had girl, just like you had girl boy f- 
um, first. And it's like, okay, well, you know, Alec and I had Carmen. And it's like, okay, well, that's what our daughter is like. Then yes. we have Raphael. It's like, okay, well, that's where our son is like. And then we have Leo. And it's like, whoa, he's so different. And, and it's the same gender as Rafa and completely different. Yes. And that's exactly yeah. what Daphne's saying is that you get to create your own people. So if you have the energy and if you are physically okay, you know, if it's, if you can sort of say, hey, you know what, I do get back to a place where I feel strong and good. Um, and you feel like you can sort of look at the next year, two years at your life and say, okay, I'm ready to undertake that physical thing again. Then I say, do it. And, but you know what, if you're not, that's okay too. I've Completely. had some friends who had a vaginal birth the first time around and either opted for a C-section or had to get a C-section and they liked the C-section better. Interesting. So, yeah, really interesting. They like that they just had a great experience with it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I've heard, I, I really think that you have to kind of sit with your body um, and you say, you, you've you made two beautiful children. Is this, is this our story? And great. And if you want to write another chapter to the story, then you <laughs> you go and you have fun and, and, and you do that. But, um, but you are not going to make the wrong decision. That's no so matter true. What. And you're not in a rush. Like you can give yourself a couple years if you want to, and then revisit. Um, mm-hmm. Rachel, thank you so much for your question. Okay. Hi ladies. This question, Oh, sorry. This question is from Monir. Hi ladies. Love your podcast. I'm newly pregnant and wondered if you could recommend the best cream or oil to prevent stretch marks. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited about this because Daphne, you and I are going to be so different on this. Go. I hate. Okay. I, I'm, I'm so sorry to burst the gigantic industry that is stretch mark treatment. Stretch marks are genetic. So either you are going to struggle with them, whether you gain weight or don't, whether you are like significantly stretched out or don't, it just has to do with your skin's elasticity or you're not. I literally was like 200 plus pounds when I gave birth. I think I stopped looking at the scale. I started standing backwards on the scale (laughs) post 205. Um, And I have never had a single stretch mark when I'm pregnant. And, um, and I have girlfriends who I swear you wouldn't know they were pregnant or certainly when from behind, you wouldn't know they were pregnant and they have stretch marks everywhere. It has nothing to do. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. And again, I'm not your doctor. This is just the story I've been told by my doctors. It is genetic. There is very little you can do save for taking good care of your skin overall and skin health, skin health overall. So that the only thing that I do is, um, is I do take my essential fatty acids regularly, not just when I'm pregnant. I give my skin the the added benefit and protection of those uh, highly nourishing and moisturizing fats in my body. So I have a diet that is rich in healthy fats and I have this essential fatty acid supplement that I take. Um, and then when I'm pregnant, because my skin gets itchy and dry, if I don't, I do moisturize, um, more often than I do when I'm not pregnant and I use as natural as possible. I'll use like shea butter or cocoa butter sometimes. Um, uh, but you know, mostly because I just don't like feeling, you know, that's that dry and sort of stretched feeling, but it, I, I'm almost a hundred percent positive. It does not affect stretch marks. Okay, Alaria, go. <laughs> okay, okay. So again, Daphne is absolutely right that what everything I've heard is that it is genetic as well. That being said, I have had interesting experiences that I'm going to share with you, and then you come to a conclusion because I'm not going to like push any kind of certain thing. Okay, so my mother used Palmer's cocoa butter. 
Okay, you get it at CVS in like a gigantic tub. And uh, like everybody I know in my family used Palmer's cocoa butter. And so I used Palmer's cocoa butter. And I also used bio oil. And I will just buy this and I'll slather it on. I did not get stretch marks with babies one, two, and three. I get pregnant with Romeo. And I all of a sudden, I, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, having to pee for like the seventh time and I go in there and I see these things on my side and I'm like oh my god it happened Cal can you and please I was like, put it's in stretch a marks. dun 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 <laughs> no, it happened I see this. And then I proceed to not be able to sleep for the entire night. No. Um, like when I was growing up, my, my family would call me La Ratita Presumida, which means the vain little mouse. There's like this little character um, in Spain called that's a little mouse, and she like carries a pocketbook around. And people are always like, they were like, oh, Hilaria is like always changing her clothes and always doing this and always doing that. I was very, I was very girly in some ways. And like my La Ratita Presumida came back and completely like freaked me out. I then rushed to the dermatologist like it is like the like your house is burning down as soon as she opens actually I think like I called her because she's my friend and I was like what is this and she said those are stretch marks and I said (gasps) no (laughs) so then I proceed to say I am not gonna have this happen and I'm like putting on crazy amounts of cream and I had a different experience with Romeo than I did with my other ones where I was so thirsty and I was so, my skin was dry. I'd like literally be at parties and I feel like people would walk away from me because they thought that I had like, I don't know, fleas or something like that. I'd be like scratching all the time. Like even my arms, my legs, like everything felt itchy. And my skin was like so, so, so flaky. So this is what I did. I drank that much more liquids. Coconut water, you know, all sorts of different juices and this and that and like everything to just be hydrated from the inside out. And then I just slathered on like every single cream I could imagine. And can I tell you something? My stretch marks went away while I was pregnant. And mm-hmm, I know. Hmm. I just got hmm. the eye look of like, really? Oh, she just zoomed in. <laughs> No, I'm telling you. And 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 then I go back to the dermatologist and she's like, you uh, you realize that stretch marks don't go away. So then they couldn't have been stretch marks. I said, I was there. They were red. They were like across my, my belly. And you told me that they were stretch marks. They were diagnosed as stretch marks and now they're gone. So that's being said, these are my things. Maybe it is genetic. It probably is genetic. But things that you can do, even if it's just for your sanity, tons and tons and tons of cream, whatever cream that you want Okay, and just stay so hydrated, like never get thirsty. Like I sleep with tons of beverages next to me. I like so much different like water and different kind of stuff next to me while I sleep. And I just get up and I drink it. Yes, it makes you pee even more, but it's important to stay hydrated. Is that I mean, I know, guys, I'm weird. I'm weird. But I've had four babies and I don't have stretch marks. And maybe it's because of my family. And maybe it's because I... Use Palmer's, Palmer's <laughs> cocoa butter CBS. I do think like hydration <laughs> is in many ways like the cure for everything. It's so so often we think we're hungry when we're actually thirsty. Your skin mm. health, your eye health, your teeth health, and so, your your digestion. So much of it comes down to really healthy hydration, which means water or herbal tea. Um, so. Yeah, or coconut water or because coconut it has water. The, because it has um, the electrolytes in it. I know. 
I know you love coconut water. <laughs> I actually don't. I don't like how it tastes at all, but I make myself drink it because I feel like it's really good for me. Every single day. I love, I see, I love the taste. I'm always just like, do I need all this sugar? You know, like You that. know what? If the sugar means that you don't get stretch marks or if you get the stretch marks and they go away, I will take the sugar and I will work out extra later on for certain things that are necessities. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Manir. The next one is from Dorothy. Hello, Ilaria and Daphne and all those involved in the wonderful podcast. I believe that is you, Matt and Cal. Um, I am, I hope you guys realize that like we're in these rooms with like these two like guys and they're like, they are the most sweet. We call them the sensitive new age guys. And they're the ones that bring this whole podcast together. And they're so magical. Um, I'm enjoying this so much and I'm so thankful that this is now available for moms to listen to. You are truly sharing some invaluable stories, information, and advice. I want to ask you about tips for successful potty training Mm. as I am now in the thick of it with my two-year-old daughter. Any possibility of a podcast featuring this topic in the future would love it. Love you, ladies. You are wonderful. That's such a good topic. That's a great idea, no? All right, Daphne, what do you do? Um, So, you know, interestingly, I'm glad you mentioned you have a daughter because uh, I would say it's different for boys versus girls. Um, for my daughter, it took her, and you have a two-year-old. So I, I think my daughter, um, at two, I bought like six of those little kid porta potty things. And I put, this was something that my um, pediatrician at the time had recommended and it worked so well. I put one in every room in our apartment, basically. And what that allowed her to do is two things. One is it reminded her to notice the sensation of like, oh, I need to pee, um, and, and it made it easy for her because kids, two things. One is I think that they lose track of their, of the way their body feels and they get distracted. They get excited about other things going on and then it's too late. And also they're a little bit lazy. I found this with food too. Like when I, when, she, when Fila was young and I wanted her to eat really healthy things that she would sometimes resist. If I cut it up really small and made it so she basically just had to chew a few times before she could swallow, so much of it was textural and so much of it was just her just not wanting to have to chew too much. And it really worked like a charm. So these having about having a little toilet in every one of the rooms meant she didn't have to go find a, a toilet somewhere. It was literally ready for her. It was present and a, an easy reminder for her. Now, that said, it still took her a really long time to consistently get it right. And I think girls can go both ways. Girls can be super easy to train. You know, we are, we are uh, pretty, usually pretty aware of ourselves and, and pretty, you know, game on and advanced, but I think it's also a, it's a control thing and it's a, a relinquishing of being a baby. Like there's so much emotionality tied into the process of potty training also. And remember, I had our second when she was 20 months old. So like right around the time we were starting to have some success and awareness of, of, you know, not going to the bathroom in her diaper and wanting her to use a toilet. We experienced that whole regression, which you do when you introduce that new influence of a baby and mom's mommy's focus is on someone else now and someone else has all of her attention. And this is how I'm going to get her attention back. I'm going to need her to change my diaper. I'm going to need her to pay attention to me like I like when I was a baby. So I think if you just have the one around that two year mark, keeping the toilet front and center is really good. And then honestly, in this sense, I think a reward goes a long way. Like we would have these um, uh, little packs of gummy bears or you know chocolate candies or things. And she would get a little piece of chocolate every time she successfully went. She loved that. My daughter is highly motivated by candy. <laughs> 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 Aren't we all? I was gonna say, 
she is totally my daughter. Um, you know, little lollipop, those little new dum dum lollipops or the healthy, the I think they're called um Oh shoot! The yummy, yummy earth. Yeah, yummy earth. Yeah, yum, yummy yummy earth. earth. We love those, and they they have great ones that are like vitamin C packed and things. And so we would do um, we would do little rewards and consistency. As a parent, the most critical thing is having having a really consistent response to when they use the toilet and when they don't use the toilet. And I think that has that could go, went a long way. Now with my boy. With John, um, it was a completely different experience. He could not have been less interested in the little toilets I put around the house. But he um, loved being able to water the bushes, water the lawn, (laughs) water the plants, water, you know, everything. And he's also extremely motivated by sports. So the idea that he was aiming at something was really interesting. So we would put, I know I've heard people say they put little like floaty toys and things in the toilet and they have their kids aim at those. He didn't need that. Oh, Cheerios. That works Mm too. Um, He just loved the idea that he was aiming into the big, the the normal toilet. Um, So he, I mean, he was, he was way easier to train. He just like totally got it. And, um, and it was, again, it was, I'll let Hilary speak to this because she obviously has a lot more boys with a lot more experience in boy training. But I think the, the figuring out what motivates them and then consistently sticking with that habit and that pattern and, and making sure that you remind them, you know, and I, I, this is what drives me crazy. We will go to get in the car. I will ask my kids, I'll be like, you need to go potty. Let's go potty. No, no, no. I hate potty. No. Get in the car five minutes, five minutes into the drive. I need to pee or I'm oh, thirsty. I'm, oh, I I'm make thirsty. them go. I know. So that's what I, so now, now that I've had too many stops at like revolting, you know, gas yeah, no, station, potty, mm-hmm. porter potties. Now we are forced to go before we leave anywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we, I make them, I always make them go. Um, okay. I think a few things. I think a lot of it, not just d- depends on the gender, but I think it depends on the kid. Like, as I've, I mean, I have three boys, and obviously, you know, Romeo's nowhere near potty training because he's eight and a half months old. Um, but Carmen potty trained herself at one, and I did everything wrong, like everything wrong. So one day, I just, you know, bathed her. She was slightly over one, and um, and she was walking around. I just, I just bathed her, and she's standing there, and she starts pooping on the floor, on the rug, and I freak out. And what is the number one thing that you shouldn't do? You don't freak out. Then I do the thing that like you, no one would ever do. I grab her and I run her over to the toilet and I put her on the toilet where the poop falls. And she starts crying. I, and then I realized I really, really, really messed up, like really messed up. And then I Googled it and that was a bad idea because then I was like the worst mother in the world. And like, she's one and I've already like destroyed her and she will never potty train and she's going to have to go to therapy and like all the things that I was reading about. Um, and you know what helped happen, guys? She started using the toilet. I thought she was going to be afraid of the toilet. I like made it the big thing. She actually just started using the toilet. And what we would do is we would... Um, take like the the crayons that you can draw on the side of the tub and her her toilet's like right next to the tub Mm -hmm. and we would like 
learn numbers and triangles and circles and the ABCs and all different kinds of things. And we literally would like sit there for an, uh, an obscene amount of time. Then shortly after that, I got pregnant with Rafa and Carmen was sleeping with us and I was pregnant and I was really, really tired. And then I also did something that you're not supposed to do, which is she would wake up really early in the morning and I would always put her on the toilet, which you are supposed to do. I put her on the toilet with her with an iPad and she would um, she would sit there and I would fall asleep on the bathroom floor oh. right underneath her because I was so tired. So anyway, we did a lot. Of, so I definitely I gave her the iPad while being on the toilet. But it was like the only time that she'd be able to watch the iPad. And it, a, a mommy's got to do what a mommy's got to do. And I had a lot of like really great like 30 minutes that I'd leave her there and I'd be sleeping underneath the toilet because I was terrified that she'd fall off with my pregnancy. And that oh. definitely happened. Um, Rafa, I, I am a big believer that you got to do it when they're ready. There's no reason to force them. There really, there really, really isn't. Um, and, you know, Rafa, just like Daphne, like loved his little target practice and peeing on things. I decided to do, to really focus on it when we were outside and when the weather was a little bit nicer. Um, I'm very skeptical. I haven't done it, so I, I can't say I don't like it, but I'm very skeptical of these like things where they're like, you do it, a book, what a book says for like three days, and then you expect that your kid is going to be potty trained. They're like, okay, three days, cold turkey. I know that it has worked for some people, but I think that it can also be hard on the kid. So what I basically do is consistent rewards, just like just like Daphne was saying. I make a big deal about it. Like we clap. We oh, dance yes, around. so much like, celebrating. Okay, this is so exciting. Or like we'll count the poop. You know, like we'll do all sorts of things. I never thought that I would do. We play. I'm very present for them when they're when they're doing it. So, you know, the best reward is mommy time. And so being there and having it be something that we do together and continuing the game. A lot of kids don't want to go and potty train because they don't want to stop a game that mm-hmm, they're doing. Mm-hmm. But let's continue the game. Now, Leo, like he is somebody like R- Rafa stopped pooping in his diaper as he really didn't like it. And so he would poop on the toilet and then he would pee in his diaper for a while. Now, Leo like can poop in his diaper and he couldn't he couldn't care. You ask him, you're like, did you poop? And he goes, nope. And like, obviously he did. Like, everybody in the room knows that he pooped because it smells so much. Um, and I realize that with him, it's probably going to be a little bit of a longer thing just because of his personality. So I say, look at look at your kid, look at you know at the personality that you have um, with him, and and then work with him, you know, work or her, work work with them, and and just you know take it easy. Your kid isn't going to go to college in diapers. It's going to be okay. Everybody learns how to poop and pee. Hopefully, I think yes. they do. Yes, I, I do think they do, and right? the the I, they definitely do. But the other the the last note on that is just um because you you brought this up and I thought it was really important. Sometimes kids are they're nervous on the toilet, and that obviously makes it harder to go, or or they're constipated and it's painful. Um, but I think the giving them easy ways to relax, whether it's with mommy time or with iPad time or reading to them or telling them a story or just engaging them in a conversation so that they don't feel like the pressure's on, we gotta go now or that we're at the toilet. Um, I think I think has gone a long way too. I completely agree. Um, there's one there's one little like quick story that I wanted to I left with Daphne, I, I called you and told you about this because it was just, like, so <laughs> But I left with Rafa and Leo the other day because they were like beating each other and it was just getting to the, be that really hard time after school and before dinner time and so I take each one in my hand just my phone and some credit cards put put in my pocket and I bring them out and we go to you know a bunch of different errands and then we go are going to Petco um, to get some things for 
for our dogs. Um, and the kids literally think that Petco is the zoo. <laughs> Um, you go there and you see all these little animals there and they love it. And as soon as we get there and walking, you know, seven blocks, seven longer blocks um, with two boys pulling in two different directions is is a lot. And I didn't bring a stroller, nothing. I mean, very typical. I know I know it's different where everybody lives, but like New York, kids are in strollers for a long time because we walk a lot. And so I just wanted to exhaust them. We get there and he poops. And uh, Leo is very sensitive skin, so anytime he poops, I have to rinse him off. And I, um, I'm there with no diaper, with no wipes, with nothing in Petco. And so I'm thinking, okay, do I have to walk him back while he's like walking awkwardly in his poop? Can I carry him all the way back? But then oh I have Rafa, gosh. and they're still at that age where like you really have to hold on to them tight so they don't run into the road. And so I go into the Petco bathroom and I clean him. I'm like, I make them like, don't touch anything. I'm like, like, again, not a great mom move, threatening them with like <laughs> no dessert for as long as you can possibly imagine no if, you you. Touch, if you touch anything, no dog treats. And then so I clean him off with like lots of paper towels and water and just make sure that he's really clean. Then I pull up his, his um, pants. Then I go and I buy dog diapers. <laughs> Is that genius? I kind of feel like and that then, was the most genius move. <laughs> genius. Totally genius. I'm trying to decide between the girl ones that have the hole in the back or the boy ones that are just a wraparound. I decided on the girl ones. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm embarrassed to go back downstairs with, after I've purchased the diapers to go bring Mickey boys back into the, into the bathroom with the diapers. So I go next door to um, Barnes & Noble, which they love because they think it's a toy store because it essentially now is. And I bring them into the bathroom. Again, no dessert for as long as you can imagine if you touch anything here. And I pull Leo's pants down and I pull it, put on a dog diaper. And it was okay. And it he didn't okay. care. It was, it was okay. okay. And the only thing would be if he pooped again, which would be like really, really, really weird, then it definitely would have gone through the hole in his <laughs> pants. <laughs> but he didn't. And then we came home and that was that. Hilaria, there was no pharmacy I'm just nearby. I'm clap for you right now. I feel like that was that was just brilliant. That was that was resourceful mother, you know, necessity being the mother of invention moment. I'm very, you know I'm proud what? of you. I'm proud. You, you know didn't what? panic. He survived <laughs> the experience. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. All right, guys, for these mom mail episodes, since it's. Ilari and I sharing so many of our favorite things. We are going to let you have those as our favorite things this week. And we will link as many of those as possible at the bottom of the description of this episode. So you don't need to go hunting for them. Um, and as always, we love hearing from you. We're excited to do more of these mom mail episodes and really get to dive into deep questions and things you guys are wondering about and curious about. So thank you so much for writing to us. Keep it up. We are mombrainpod at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to go for it, Alaria. Subscribe, rate, review, and on Instagram, swipe up. (laughs) Thanks, guys. All right, until next time, bye. This is Mom Brain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.